This episode of the Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by New England Lean Consulting. New England Lean Consulting is the Northeast premier business consulting firm, helping small to medium-sized businesses implement strategic leadership and operational methodologies that help to lower costs, increase capacity, and win more customers. Their consultants provide guidance on the latest business solutions, including Lean, Six Sigma, ISO, as well as energy conservation and safety compliance to help you grow your business deliberately and strategically. Through their plan methods, you'll be able to build and sustain a long-term operational excellence advantage over your competition. To reach them, go to NewEnglandLeanConsulting.com or you can call them at 860-335-4787. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are newly promoted to supervisors, those of you who are in the role and are struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about making the transition to being the boss. This is your host, Mac Monroe, the Boss Builder. You know, think about people at your organization. Some of you probably have characters that come to work and simply do their job and go home. And then there's other people that seem to come in and do a little bit extra. Our guest today is Beth Frechette. She's the senior consultant at Discover Solutions, and Beth's area of expertise is employee engagement. Now, we've probably heard about the term engagement when you think about couples who are getting married, but we're seeing this term more and more in organizations. Beth is going to talk to us today about why engagement is so important, why you as the boss have a huge responsibility in it, and most importantly, what your workforce could look like if you had a culture of engagement. She'll give you some really good how-to tips and she'll even give you a place to contact her because you will definitely need her help if you want to kind of create those conditions of an engaged workforce. So with no further delay, let's meet our special guest, Beth Frechette. Beth Frechette, welcome to the show. Hey, Mac. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I'm really glad we had a chance to get on and talk to each other. Beth, I've known you for a long time, and our topic today is engagement. But before we get into the questions, I wonder if you could spend just a few minutes telling everybody about your background, what you've done, and uh, what you're up to now. I've been in human resources in a variety of capacities over the last years and enjoyed being in everything from compensation to generalist HR. Now I'm really changed and walked out of the corporate world and working in engagement and coaching, trying to help people from the outside in. So I've got a new consulting practice and um, I'm excited about reaching out to people who may not have the opportunities through a larger corporation. That's great. Well, when you and I met, it's been probably about nine or 10 years, I guess, One of the things that we had worked on together was a program, and one of the highlights of it was employee engagement. And I know, based on what you told me back then, that was something very important to you. And that's what we want to talk about today. So why don't we start with definitions? What is employee engagement? Well, I think that's the perfect place to start, is to ground us in this conversation. And there's so many key phrases and words and jargon that are out there around this area. I want to try to make it as simple as possible. So 
realistically, the whole field started by talking about is an employee satisfied? And at that time, when we started talking about this work, people thought, you know, that's not good enough. We need them to be more than satisfied. So we moved to the term engagement. And the way that I like to look at that is really a satisfied employee will, will come to work and they'll do their job and go home at the end of the day and come back again the next day. And you'll, you can get their whole job performance out of there. If you put your job description in front of you, that's exactly what they're doing. You do a performance appraisal, they're doing their job, but they might not be giving you just a little bit more. They may not have a lot of ideas. They may just sort of be there in place. And that's sort of what I view as a satisfied employee. Engaged employees have a little bit more. And what they give you as a supervisor is discretionary effort, which is really just a, a term for a little bit more, right? They, they give you that little bit of extra. They share your uh, philosophy or they want to know what's going on with the company, or maybe they stay that extra hour or so to make sure that the, the presentation that they're making is exactly right. So they work with a little more passion. They are connected to the company or you as a supervisor, they are really going to help you as an organizer, organizing leader, move the whole organization forward. And in that process, really drive innovation. So that's really the difference between satisfied, satisfied employee and engagement. And you can even probably hear in my voice the difference. There's that sort of staid, uh, satisfied employee. And then there's that person that whether they sound more engaged or not, really is much more committed and attuned to what's going on in the organization. I'm going to pause and talk a little bit about probably the third piece of, of engagement that's hanging around in the world here, and that's a disengaged workforce. And if you do nothing else as a supervisor, you want to do anything you can to prevent a disengaged workforce worker. And, and these people are really checked out. They're sleeping, sleepwalking through the day. They may actually be sleeping during the day. That's the worst part. And they're just putting time or but not energy or passion into their work. You know, they're 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 really just sort of hanging around. They've got the golden handcuffs, we call them in human resources. And they're really, really doing you a disservice. You can't get them to do anything. Um, and they may even be actively disengaged. So they're getting everyone else to be unhappy. So I think at the end of the day, when we look at you want to try to make sure that your employees are on the side of satisfied and engaged versus disengaged and actively disengaged. Well, that's employees. And so I'm assuming since the employees work for the supervisor, for the boss, that it is the boss's responsibility to make engagement happen. Is that correct? Well, it is. The, the supervisor has a really big, important role in engagement. As a matter of fact, uh, the Center for Talent Retention that's been around really since the early 2000s, uh, their number one question for why people are disengaged or leave the company is number 36, which is my manager is a jerk. So the challenge with being a supervisor, having the challenge of having your own role and a team leader role is that you have the responsibility to impact whether an employee is engaged or satisfied or actively disengaged. So that's the challenge. And your life as a supervisor can be positive and move quickly along, or it can be a real challenge for you, uh, depending on the engagement level of your employees. 
Well, one thing I remember you saying uh, many times is that the supervisor is the topic of conversation around the dinner table every night. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I think I've, I've mentioned to you that I'm the only one in my family who ever wanted to be a supervisor. Um, and and oftentimes, you know, if you think about it and, you know, you just think on your own little body right now, I don't want to be the person that they're talking about at the dinner table saying, boy, that guy's a jerk or that woman today, she made me so unhappy or she's really not understanding me. So oftentimes the supervisor wakes up with the employee. It's the first person they think of when they wake up in the morning and maybe the last person they think about before they go to bed at night. So I, I do believe that supervisors and managers have a far larger role in an employee's life than they usually take time to think about because they are so uh, important to the employee's life and work. And that takes up so much of a person's uh, work of actual just lifetime today. Right. Well, let's talk about how to tell, all right? So if you're the supervisor, how do you know if your team is engaged? So I think the first thing is to just sort of step back. You might have an employee survey that your company's done. So you might have some real um, data, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, about what the company thinks about your organization and whether they're engaged or not engaged. But if not, I would just ask you to just sort of sit back and, and think about each of your employees. Get out a piece of paper, write each of their names down. And think about how they sort of appear to you. Do they come in and they're positive or they're uh, at least asking good work-related questions? Are they, um, you know, at a meeting, are they paying attention? Are they making eye contact with you? Are they really making sure that they are, uh, that you see that they are motivated and they're doing their work? They show up to meetings prepared. They show up, they get their work product done on time. Um, those are all things that, you know, we see as, if you will, symptoms of an engaged or satisfied employee. So that that's a really important thing to look at on, on the one side. So that, that shows, okay, it looks like it's going pretty good. But on the other hand, if you have someone who is chronically absent or chronically late to the work, um, maybe on the phone a lot, and, you know, quickly hangs up if you enter the office or the workspace, uh, maybe if you're doing a, a more of a, a manufacturing role, maybe their, their quality is down on the job. They're making mistakes. Um, they may be, you know, one of the people that looks up at you and sort of like shock when you walk in the room because they might have been talking about you, maybe not in such a positive fashion. So I, I think that oftentimes supervisors know a lot more about the engagement level of their employees than they take the time to, to think about and, and sometimes cross their fingers and hope that when the employee survey comes out that they're doing okay on it. Um, so that that's, I think, the first step is to really think about that with each of their employees. Well, maybe on a proactive note then, are there some questions a supervisor can ask employees to figure out if they're engaged? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think if we go back to what is motivating an employee and what they're really looking for in the work, that will sort of drive us toward what questions should we ask. So, you know, there's a lot of times that that people point to the fact that, um, you know, this is why employees leave. Employees leave because they want more money and a, a better title. That's what we hear all the time. And I think the challenge there is that we really aren't as concerned about why they chose another job. We're concerned about why they started to look. 
So if you ask an employee, you know, why did, why did you start to look for a new position or why did you take that phone call from a recruiter? They may say to you, you know what? I had it that day. I had so much to do. And my boss walked in and gave me one more thing that I needed to do that day. And I thought to myself, that's it. I'm done. And almost like a light switch, many employees make the decision to leave the company based on those kinds of things. And, and so I want to spend just a moment here talking about what most people are looking for in their work, not that they're not looking for pay, but in terms of what is really exciting for them in the workplace. So challenging, meaningful work, they want that work to be important to them, especially in a technical uh, role like an engineer or a nurse or uh, an actuary, something where it's, there's a real technical role to the job. They want to make sure that, that that job is challenging and meaningful. They want to be able to learn and grow. They don't want to stay in the same job for the rest of their lives, and they don't want to be doing the same thing every day. They want to have that opportunity to get better and better. Many people want to have great coworkers, not all employees, but you know, a lot of times since they do spend so much time at the um, organization, they, they want to make sure there's people around, etc. They certainly want to be recognized and respected. And the final and always the best characteristics is they want to have a good boss. So again, not necessarily somebody who's running around hugging them all the time, but some somebody that actually um, cares about them, is helping them to make priority judgments in their work, and really giving them feedback on on what their their really how their work is impacting the company. So if we use that as a base, the first question that you should ask your employee is, why do you stay at work? And oftentimes when I talk to uh, to colleagues and things and I say, hey, have you tried this question? They're like, yeah, but the employee doesn't know anything to say. They don't know why they stay at work. I said, all right, well, that's fine. You, you say, why do you stay? And if they don't know the answer, you say, hey, you know, think about it, come back in a week. I'd really like to understand why you stay at work. Um, one of the challenges for the employee, for the supervisor, is that the employee might not know the answer to that. You know, there's an opportunity for them to even think about why do I come to work? Um, Mac, I think when you, you've seen me publicly speak before, oftentimes I say to the audience before I start, did I drive you to work today? And there's this very strange moment when I can tell they're actually trying to figure out if I did drive them to work today. Now, the good news is I know I didn't drive them to work today. But it shows how automated people's lives are and how automated people are in terms of how they're just going along and really not taking accountability for the fact that they put their own key in their car and drove themselves to work today. So if you ask the question, why did you stay? It'll start to open up that question, that thought about what, what do I like about work? And you might get very different answers from all of your employees, which of course will make your hard, your life a little bit harder, but you may just get an idea. Maybe, maybe they do really like the, the, the um, co-workers or maybe they, maybe they like the cafeteria or maybe they really, really like the company, company loyalty. But as a supervisor manager of people, that's important for you. You want to make sure that you understand how your employees are motivated so you can therefore link anything that you do with them back to that motivation. So let's use an example. Let, let's say that, you know, I'm motivated to work with uh, company XYZ because I really like their brand. I love the product. And 
my it's I feel so proud when I see our product in the in the environment, my my neighborhood, and I know that I had some role in getting that product out there. If you take that a look at that employee for just a moment, you can see that you would probably want to make sure that they understand how their work ties to the product. So how does the work I do on a day-to-day basis, how does that tie to the company mission? And if the company's mission is changing, how do I make sure I help that employee get back and tie to it? Um, They may want to be recognized um, by the company. They may like those, you know, company XYZ recognizes Beth Furchette as an outstanding employee. And they want to put that plaque on the wall because it links so solidly back to their, their, um, their different, um, their values, actually, their motivation and engagement. It could be one of your employees says, I just love the people here. You know, they're, they're just great. I love Joe and Suzanne and Marjorie. And we go out to dinner afterwards. Sometimes we go out for happy hour. I was thinking maybe we should have a Christmas party or a holiday party or a whatever kind of party picnic to all get together and share that. And that's the part I really like. And all my relationships with people help me get my work done. And it, it really just makes me really happy. That employee may not be motivated as much by that plaque on the wall, right? They're, they're going to want to make sure that they really are involved and they have that opportunity. They're going to want you to reward them in front of people and really say, great job. You really helped the team out. So that could be an example. And, and finally, I think the, the last person is the one that says, I come to work because I really like to work for you. And get ready to sit back on your heels because you probably will hear that if you are a dedicated and a real uh, focused supervisor, because that is why people come to work. They make choices on which jobs they're going to apply for and which jobs they're going to stay in based on their supervisor and their boss. So in that case, um, you know, you may need to mentor more to make sure you're spending enough time with that person, et cetera. So those are all answers to questions that come from why do you stay? You may want to do those questions in um, a performance appraisal situation. You may want to do it in your regular one-on-one. I know some managers and supervisors send this question out in advance. Just want to let you know, I'm trying to make sure that our team works more effectively. So I send out an email to my whole team in advance of the next one-on-ones. And I say, I'm going to be asking you, why why do you stay here? What's important to you? Um, Other questions that you could ask is, you know, what do you like most about the company? What do you like least? That's a great question. Um, when you go home and you sit around the table, as, as Mac mentioned before, what makes for a great day? When you come home and say, wow, that was a great day. What what happened that day? Uh, a little bit more focused. What can we do to make your job more fo- satisfying? What can we do to support your career goals? Do you get enough recognition? And what can we do to keep you here? Those are all just examples of of lots of questions. Um, There is a great reference book that I'd encourage people to take a look at. It's called Love Them or Lose Them, Getting Good People to Stay by Bev Kay and Sharon Jordan Evans. They actually wrote the stay interview. You might have heard that in your own practice. And so there's a whole uh, plethora, actually, of uh, ideas for you as a supervisor in there. But quite frankly, the biggest point and the biggest most important part of, of you asking these questions is that you ask the questions, that you show that you have some kind of interest in them 
and that you as a supervisor manager want them to stay. That's actually one of the first bridges that you'll cross in the different kinds of engagement that's out there. And even the most um, intense disengaged employees will have a hard time not answering that question and maybe opening up to you a little bit. Well, you know, I'm thinking about organizations where I'm going to make a huge assumption here. Uh, let's take, for example, the DMV. Yes. Um, I, I don't I don't get the sense that a person that works at the DMV grew up saying, when I grow up, I want to work at the DMV. Right. I, Imagine you just find yourself there and you have no idea how you got there. Is it possible for a supervisor in an environment like that, because I'm sure that's not the only type of company, to be able to break down that, I guess, maybe almost that culture of we show up to work, we do the bare minimum we can, and we go home Mm -hmm. into what you're describing Mm -hmm. here is a place where people are Mm self-aware and they're excited to know more. Do you think it's possible? I do. And and this is why. First of all, I just had a great experience at the D- DMV. I walked out with sort of a, a strange smile on my face, not quite sure that I had been part of reality, not having that experience there. But um, I could tell it was about the supervisor. And and what that person did was, first of all, they, they really made sure the work was really organized. So there was a lot of that confusion. That I know, Mac, that you and I have talked about before that you have in a DMV, people running around and screaming and people sleeping and babies crying. It was a real orderly progression to how the workflow goes. And and that really, again, goes back to how the work is done, which we talked about as a a motivating factor. But I think even more so, I watched that supervisor go from station to station and check in with people, you know, different ways, actually. Some people she might have, you know, patted on the back. Some people she just, you know, snuck up and said, hey, checking on you or whatever. And that was really, really helpful for them. And I could see that people were sort of connected. And occasionally there was like a raucous, like somebody told a joke or something and everyone sort of laughed. And then finally, I think what was most important and and something I probably didn't mention in this uh, piece uh, is she had their backs. You know, if somebody came up and started yelling at them or whatever, she was right there. And was able to really have that employee's back. And I, I think that is often a way, a reason when I go to a place like the DMV or any place where they're just like, oh, I would not want to do this job. If, if the supervisor isn't there to really help that employee during the, the tough times, it, it's going to be harder for that employee to, to really like the, the employee. So I would say, yes, on the DMV, on the shop floor, even when you have the union involved, the supervisor can still be a good supervisor. They're still you know, being a, a good choice uh, of how you interact with people. One of the things that I, I don't even think we talked about talking about on the webinar is it does also have something to do with how engaged the supervisor is. So if you're going to work every day wondering if I'm driving you to work, how engaged are you? And and can your employees feel that? Can they Can they see that in you? So I think when you are engaged in the work and and focused on it and have decided, yeah, you know what, I may not have chosen to be a supervisor in my life, but but I am and I'm responsible for these people and I'm going to step up. I think employees really do, really do react well to that. Um, They certainly know when supervisors don't like to supervise. I've heard that. Yeah, they didn't even want to be a boss. They're just trying to get through this. They just wanted more money or, you know, bigger title. They don't really want to take care of us 
or help us or help prioritize. So I think that feeds into that DMV story um, in terms of the fact that you everyone's a part of engagement in the team. And at the head of that, again, as we mentioned before, is the supervisor. Great. Well, I'm wondering now, you've given us some ideas on how a supervisor can assess when they walk in just by kind of looking around and asking questions. I do know, based on my experience, a lot of organizations, they purchase engagement surveys. So first of all, you know, what kinds of questions do you get asked? And secondly, how reliable is the data? And can you accurately track over time the fact that our engagement scores are moving? I'm just kind of curious. Okay, that, that's great. I think we'll have to be here for another hour, but I, I, I love it. <laughs> I think that's exactly what we want to talk about. First of all, I, I talk about engagement in capital E engagement and small e engagement. And it has nothing to do with priorities or importance. It's just how I break them apart. Capital E engagement is Malcolm, just what you mentioned. But the company has an employee engagement effort, and we every year, every quarter, every day, maybe we're talking about engagement and asking questions and getting data. And as supervisor tells me, they're getting hit over the head with the fact they're not doing well enough. Um, so, so that's usually where it stems from that there's some kind of question that goes out to the employees, and they're asking, uh, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? How do you like this? Um, they may even be asking brave questions like, how do you feel about your pay? Which, by the way, is always bad. No one ever is paid enough. But they're asking a lot of things about competence and job satisfaction, inclusion, appreciation, equity. Sometimes the survey can be 100 questions long. Thankfully, um, most of the companies and um, the certainly the industry of, that supports the engagement efforts and that whole really school of thought has now decided, you know what, we got to cut this way down, try to prioritize. And so I'm hoping that you're seeing in your companies, you're getting maybe more surveys, but maybe they're just three or four questions and, and you know, really trying to dig down into there. So certainly you're getting some data from that. You can get the data from the, the engagement survey and that's sort of that big E kinds of things. Oftentimes you can't control any of that. Your employees are complaining because there's no training budget, you you may not have anything to do with that. They may be complaining about the benefits. They may be complaining what about their pay. All you can do as a supervisor is be empathetic with them and say, you know, that I, I understand that it feels horrible when you, you don't feel like you're being paid correctly. I, I know that feels horrible. So, you know, you can do that. You really can't promise, yeah, I'm going to give you a raise, which oftentimes supervised do and make, make somewhat of a mistake there. But you can't say I'm going to continue for all my team members. I continue to look, you know, compensation on a regular basis with human resources. And, you know, that this is, you know, you, this is your job offer. You, you sort of knew this. You have to make your own decisions about that. Uh, they may have a problem about benefits. They may even have a problem with uh, the senior leadership team. Those are all things in that big E, capital E thing that you can't really do a lot of, about in your supervisory practice. The little e things, though, are things you can do. How do you build a cohesive team? And so this this uh, webinar or podcast is not really talking about how to build a team, but I'd encourage you to take a look at some of those kinds of things. How do you organize your, your, your team environment? Do you have staff meetings so that people are communicated to? Do you have um, a way for there to be information? Do, do people know how to get a hold of you when you're on vacation? Do you take in vacation? Because employees like to see their boss take vacation, believe it or not. Then they feel like they can take one too. 
Um, so what, how are you creating this culture? Um, and, and you may not have recognized you do create a culture, but much as you form a family in the outside world, you are forming a pseudo family inside the workplace. There are in, there are independent and informal roles. There are informal rules. So again, it's sort of a good, good thing for you to just sit down and maybe even ask the team what works well, what doesn't. You might look at your data and go back and dig down a little bit further. Um, but you certainly want to make sure that you're doing some of those basics in supervisors that, that we talk about. I mentioned already, yeah, staff meetings, some kind of meeting, even if it's a stand-up meeting five minutes a day or whatever. That, that's important for your employees to see you get together, feel connected to each other. Two, recognition, some kind of recognition that, that points out people when they're doing great things. And, and it can not always be the same thing. Sometimes it could be, uh, you know, the, that maybe somebody did plan a, a, you know, a little party for somebody or celebrate a birthday or whatever. Um, and, you know, thanks for doing that because we really as a team need to get together. Or it could be celebrating birthdays if that's appropriate in your workplace or holidays or really just talking about what are the issues that we're having. Um, sometimes having group um, problem solving sessions, those kinds of things. So really for you as a supervisor, practice what you think your employees want and, and are we getting together too much? Are we not? Um, and, and quite frankly, really dealing with the ambivalence of that. You're, you are definitely gonna get mixed answers and. At the end of the day, it's your practice as a supervisor. You need to decide for yourself what kind of supervisor uh, you are and what kind of leader you are and what that means uh, in your day-to-day -day work. Well, let's let's take an example of probably a typical employee that my audience might get. Mm -hmm. We'll call him Hal. Okay. Hal is approximately, uh, we'll, call, we'll say he's 60 years old. And so you, you say, uh, you know, Hal, what motivates you at work? Um, and Hal says this, you know what? I just want to come to work, do my job and go home. And then you say, well, okay, so, you know, career plans, what do you have? Well, I'm going to be retiring. Well, when are you going to retire? Well, I have four years, four days, four hours and a wake up. So is somebody like Hal, is that somebody who we can kind of bring into this culture of engagement? Is he somebody that we would work around? Is he even mm -hmm. worth keeping? If he's coming to work and he does his job and he goes home, and by the way, he does a he does a job. It's you know I think you had mentioned earlier, you know they do their job and a little bit more. How's like a box of macaroni and cheese, right? It's not amazing. It's got orange dust in it, but you eat it and you're full. So is is can we still work with that? I guess I believe you can. I. I, again, would say there's this question about that we talked about before. Why would you stay? Right. Why do you stay? And you could get a very dry answer like, what else would I do? Or, you know, I, you know, I, I got to keep making money because this company pays me crappy or whatever it is. Right. You're going to get maybe some kind of grumpy response. But I think if you follow it up with what can we do to make life easier around here? You might get some interesting things like, you know, why do all these new kids leave me out of all the important conversations? How come I'm never invited to those meetings that um, they have when we plan, you know, whatever it is? Um, how come no one talks to me at lunch? How come I have to eat alone? Those kind of things. So I do believe it's worthwhile to ask the question. I also think that as we continue to have an aging workforce, in this particular case, Cal is an aging person, um, 
we're going to have to look at how do we continue to keep people that feel increasingly isolated from the focus on the millennials engaged. So what could we do? Well, I mean, he's been there a long time, probably knows more about the, the company than you do. So what are the skills and the, and the knowledge and the stories that Hal may have that you could use in your own work as a supervisor by maybe either having him um, train someone or have him mentor on a particular thing that he's really good at or even run maybe a lunch and learn about what are the kinds of things he's bumped into the past and, and how he has continued to do his work and how his work has evolved. So I think involving him into that ish, that that whole work as your team could be your first step. Will it always work? No, it, it won't always work. And you could have a, an actively disengaged work, worker. It's hard to think that an actively disengaged worker would actually be doing their job. Usually when people are so unhappy, they, they can't help but not do their job correctly. So I think as long as they're doing their, their role as described, I think there's a chance to get them at least a little bit motivated and, um, you know, part of the team so that you can feel like you have a cohesive unit of, of people. Well, I, if, if I have somebody listening to this podcast who says, okay, Beth, I'm sold. I want to create a culture of engagement. What tips would you provide that supervisor to kickstart so that effort? I would definitely say that the first thing is, is to just sort of step back and look at yourself and, you know, how do I feel about being a supervisor what motivates me? Uh, what are the things that don't motivate me? And, and sort of start from that perspective and then do some of the things we talked about. Look at your group, see how they're feeling. What other data do I have? And then just in a very small way, start to do some improving engagement work. Maybe maybe you ask the question, you know, why do, why do you stay? Maybe you decide that every time you have a one-on-one, you're going to have a little part either at the beginning or the end where you say, so how's it going? You know, how are you doing? Or whatever it is, it could be you decide to add a, a recognition piece. I would encourage you, no matter what you do, to be prepared to continue it and to make sure it's authentic so that they really feel like you're really trying to make a difference in, in their lives. That's that's really important. And employees like children will know if you're sort of faking it or if the company's making you do it. They'll wait you out. So uh, they're very good at waiting for change to go by and going back to the way things were before. So I, I think that's really important to, to do as well. Um, I would also take a look at your relationship with your, your manager and your managers above. And you may need to have some conversations about, you know, you know, when you go to your team meeting with them about how do we slow things down to employees so that they react better? How do we make it a better department for employees? Sometimes you'll find out that your department and somebody else's department doesn't work well together. So those are all the kind of things. It's really putting on almost a, an investigation hat or someplace where you're really going to try to discover solutions to these things that you would approach life. Um, and then I, finally, I would say, give, give yourself a break. You know, this is hard work. Oftentimes people don't know themselves uh, what what they want to do, et cetera. So I, I think you, you need to do that. Um, and And make sure that you're not doing any of those negative behaviors that you probably wouldn't like. You don't, you don't want to shame anyone. You don't want to condescend in, in public. You may want to think about doing a 360 degree survey if your company has those or they're online where you actually get feedback from people around you to see, you know, what can I be doing better? So it is a very courageous effort to 
take on your employees' team engagement for yourself. Um, it, ta- it requires commitment. It requires extra work, certainly. But I believe that if you do that, you'll get more productivity and on the whole, less aggregation if you go ahead and take that on. Well, Beth, obviously, you know this topic well. How can my audience reach out to you to have you help them in their engagement Well, the best way to do is to contact me through email. And my email address is beth.frechette at gmail.com. And I'll spell that B-E-T-H dot F-R-E-C-H-E-T-T-E at gmail.com. Thanks, Mac. Well, thanks again to our special guest, Beth Frechette. Beth can be reached again at beth.frechette at gmail.com. If you are the boss and you realize that you have some opportunities and certainly some need for growth, then you have absolutely come to the right podcast. In addition to what we offer you in the podcast, we do have a wide range of products that I think would be very beneficial for you as the boss or your organization to be able to put down some good skill-based training. First thing we offer, of course, is our very, very popular Boss Builder Academy. This is a video-driven program done at your own pace with monthly roundtables to be able to put some of those new skills into action. We also do provide our driving results workshops. If you did one of these end-to-end, it would be four solid days of training. You have the flexibility to do it at any sort of interval that works for you. We will send our trainers out to your site and deliver the program and even be able to put some of your customized flair into it being right there on site. We also license our curriculum. So if you have a good training team, we have the programs, the very same tools and techniques we talk about on the podcast. Those are available to you as well. You can get more information on that by visiting us online at www.thebossbuilders.com or you can call us at 931-221-2988. Thank you for tuning in. If you are listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, please take a moment, give us a positive review. We would be absolutely grateful. Until the next time we meet, get out there, boss up and boss on. Goodbye. 